is Gary Dix in the house? Yes, not. We got a math teacher in the house? Guess not. Or, or you're smart enough not to raise your hand. Let's just guess that there's 40,000 people that live in Tiff County. Y'all go with that? Okay, here's my question. Out of those 40,000 people, how many of those do you think have ever experienced a worship service like you're experiencing right now? I'm making this sermon last real long. I didn't have written in there, you know, two-minute pause. But um, this is audience participation, okay? All right, I see a hand. One? Is that what you said? One percent, okay. So if one percent have experienced that... Math majors, people, how many out of 40,000 is that? Okay, very few. Very few have actually ever experienced this. Okay, so again, that's just a reminder. We love the Lord. It's awesome. As we're experiencing this, I pray that the Holy Spirit's impressing upon you, folks who've never tasted and seen that the Lord is good. They've never, matter of fact, they wouldn't believe you if you told them about this. They've never seen it. They can't even comprehend it. They can't, you know. So just pray that the Holy Spirit will use us to draw, to encourage, to invite. I'm excited about this message this morning. Um, we're returning uh, to the book of Galatians just to squeeze a little more exegetical juice out of it. The reason I'm excited about it is because of what happened in my life. Um, Forty years ago, I was living, growing up in Albany, Georgia, going to First Baptist Church in Albany. I'll tell you one of the funniest things I've ever heard. It was a lady who went to First Baptist Pelham. She moved to Tifton. In the first week she was in Tifton, she joined First Baptist Tifton. She went home and her husband said, why did you join the church the very first Sunday you were in town? She said, well, we're of the First Baptist faith, aren't we? She actually thought that First Baptists were a denomination itself, okay? Now, you may be sitting there and, and you're thinking that, but just to let you know, for free, it's not a denomination, okay? All right, we're, we're under the auspices of something, we're affiliated with something called the Southern Baptist Convention, they're all different names, but growing up in First Baptist Albany, I'm just going to be honest with you, I was about 17 years old, I'd been a Christian three years, and um, great church, I'd hear great sermons and messages, but I'd come to the point in my own life after about three years of just saying it doesn't work, okay, I'd hear this message about how great is the Lord, and, and He'll change your life, and, and He'll fill you with hope, and I'd hear these great messages, and then I'd go to school, and I wouldn't experience what I was hearing on Sunday morning. And after about three years of doing that, here's what I decided to do. I decided I would continue to come to church, and I would just sit in church, and I'd sing. I'd do everything. You know, nobody was really going to know this. They weren't going to, outwardly, they weren't going to notice any difference. 
But basically, I was just going to kind of give up on trying to really be a Christian. Because, you know, I'd hear these ideals, I'd try to live up to them, and I just couldn't do it. But uh, unfortunately or fortunately, I had a girlfriend at that time. Her name was Julie. Julie had an older sister. Her name was Jennifer. And Jennifer was like really excited about Jesus. I mean, like off the chain. Jennifer was so excited, on Thursday nights, she would actually host and lead a Bible study at her house just up the street from Albany High School. So anyway, I obviously went because I wanted to be close to Julie, you know. And all I can tell you is this. One night when I was at, at this series of Bible studies, somebody read out of the King James Bible, because that's all we had back then, kind of, was John 1.12. John 1.12 in the King James says this, But as many as received him, Jesus, as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to those who believe on his name. Now, I didn't go around memorizing the Bible, but for some reason, that verse stuck in my mind. So I went to school the next day, and I kept thinking, as many as received him. Well, I received him three years ago, but I sure ain't seen any power. And I sure ain't seen any power that somebody's come up to me, man, you're a son of God. You've changed. Wow, John, it's exciting. You know, nothing, none of that's happened. And I'd get up the next day, go to school, go to work. I was working at Piggly Wiggly. I was on the basketball team, and... And so I was doing all these activities, but that verse just hung in my mind. And I came to a point after about two weeks of thinking about that one verse. I said, God, I don't get this. I don't get this. Your word says that when I received you three years ago, I got some kind of power. And it's supposed to change me to be like a son of God. I said, Lord, if I have some power in here that I got three years ago, I'd love to see it. And I prayed that prayer with my eyes open, you know, driving down 3rd Avenue, heading towards Piggly Wiggly to go to work. Now, that's probably the most honest prayer I've ever prayed in my life. A couple weeks later, my dad comes home and says, we're moving. We're moving? Where are we going? We're moving to Macon, Georgia. Macon, Georgia? My home is Albany. You know, this is where I've lived my whole life. What do you mean we're going to make? Well, Macon was his home. I mean, that's where my dad grew up, went to high school, went to college. You know, so we were basically moving back home for daddy, you know, in our family, whatever. Craziest thing happens. We're church going people, so we go to church up there. Not First Baptist, okay? It's a different church. I mean, we go to church up there, and this dude comes up to me, and he goes, Hey, you're new in town, aren't you? And I go, Yeah. He says, I want you to be in this Bible study with me. I said, man, I don't have time for Bible study. I'm working at Piggly Wiggly. I'm on a basketball team. I don't have time. A month later, he comes up, asks the same question. I said, don't you remember? I told you a month ago, I don't have time. He said, this one's just going to be for athletes. You know how young guys are. Really? Just the, just the athletes, huh? So anyway, we started doing this Bible study on Thursday morning. See, I didn't realize something. That prayer I'd prayed in Albany, God, if there's some power here, I'd love to see it. 
The way God answered that prayer is he brought a guy into my life who was walking with the Lord. And this guy was the first guy I ever met that was like a serious, committed Christian who wasn't like a sissy kind of guy. You know what I mean? He was like a guy that's just like played ball, like to do, you know what I mean? He wasn't like, well, let's study the Bible. You know, no, man, that wasn't what he was like. You know, I was like going, oh. So he like brought an example of somebody who was allowing the power of the Holy Spirit to work in him. I was going, oh, so this is what this whole deal is about. I mean, I thought the whole major goal of the Christian life was to quit cussing or something, you know? I didn't realize that there was some kind of power that was supposed to work inside you and transform your life. I didn't have a clue. So that's why I'm coming back to this passage in Galatians that's teaching on the Holy Spirit. To squeeze a little more juice out of this. To help people like me, if you're like me, or to help you. Paul has argued forcefully in this text. Let's let's look. Let's look at what he says. Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 10. He says, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they're not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. Nevertheless, the one who receives instructions in the word should share all good things with their instructor. Verse 7, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for in proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus. These precious brothers and sisters, they don't need to hear my stories. Father, they need to hear a word from you this morning. And Father, maybe there's some here for the very first time need to to come to grips with who the Holy Spirit really is and what you desire to do in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. The first thing I think I, I see in this text is we are to pick each other up. We're to pick each other up. There was a woman. She was very obedient to the word. It says, be fruitful and multiply. She had 10 kids, okay? This woman with 10 kids, across the street there was a construction site. The, they were building a brand new house across the street. And, and her little four-year-old boy wandered over there and was just playing. I mean, he was having a great time on the big sand pile and climbing through the insulation you know, where they were going to eventually put the the heat and air ducts and all this stuff. And as he came out of that area, he fell into this bucket full of tar. And of course, when he got the tar all over him, the fun was over. And so he jumps up and he runs back home and he goes, Mama, Mama, Mama. And she looked at that little boy and she said, You know what? It would be easier to have another one than to try to clean you up. You know, we would never say that to each other. 
But I, I kind of think that's what our minds tell us. You know, what? there's a brother or sister, he falls into sin, he slips, he falls, and we think, you know what? It would be easier just to go try to win somebody new to Jesus and bring him in the church than to try to clean you up, you know? But that's in our flesh. That's trying to do it in our own strength. What, is the, what does the word say here? It says, if someone is caught in a sin, you who what? Are smart? No, you who live by the Spirit. Those who live in the control and the power of the Holy Spirit are to what? Should restore that person gently. Okay? Now that word restore has, has some nuances of meaning in the Greek language. And, and one of the, the nuances is this. It means, to restore means to set a broken bone. How many of you have ever had a broken bone? Anybody in here? A couple of you have, haven't you? I've had a couple broken noses. Okay? And when my nose got broken, you know what they did? They put me to sleep and they fixed it. Okay? When my dad, who's, you know, he's like 80-something, when, when he got his nose broken, the doctor went like this while he was like awake. And, and the doctor almost got it straight. Okay? And the daddy said, that's enough. That's enough. Okay? Now, that's the problem, y'all. That's the problem. You know, it'd be great if when a brother falls into sin, I could walk up to him, hit him with a tranquilizer gun, he falls asleep, fix it, and, and then he wakes up, everything's cool. But that's not what happens. Here it says what? The Holy Spirit tells us to gently what? Fix his nose. No, not fix his nose, but what? Restore him. Okay? Restore him from sin. Okay? The second application of this is not only restoring a person who's fallen into sin, but restoring their web of relationships. It's the picture of mending a fishing net. Okay? And all these pieces of net function together to catch fish. But when there's a tear, it no longer works. Okay? And this text is telling us, those who are in the power of the Holy Spirit, we're not only trying to restore this person who may have stumbled and fallen, but what happens usually when you stumble and fall? Relationships are what? Torn. They're torn. Sometimes they're torn in the family. Sometimes they're torn with other friends. Sometimes they're torn in a fellowship. Sometimes they're torn. And they're like, now you talk about needing the Holy Spirit. Have you ever tried to create a relationship? I mean, like, have you ever... Done any? How many of y'all have ever done some like what do you call it? Uh, date matching or whatever. You try to set somebody up on a date. Any y'all ever tried that? Nancy and I did that one time. There was a, a beautiful young lady that worked with her, and she was single. And I had this handsome, strong young man that worked with me, and we said, "Man, they'd be great together." So we set up this great date. It was the biggest disaster. We, Nancy and I came away. We'll never do that again. I mean, you couldn't get me to try to match somebody. I mean, there's no way I'd try to do that. And you know, that's what we think a lot of times too. When people fall into sin and the relationships are being torn, we go, man, I'm not going to have anything to do with that. That's too complicated. I've tried that before. But that the Holy Spirit is telling us to restore gently means to repair the person to restore the relationship and listen to this final application. It means to refit a ship that's in the midst of commerce. 
a ship that's, that's hit some rocks or hit a reef and been damaged and can no longer be loaded with cargo. We're to refit that ship so it can accomplish its purpose. You know, many times when people fall into sin in the body, they're involved. They're in ministry. They're active. And how do you restore someone like that? How do you restore them? Well, first, what do we do? Restore the brokenness in their life. Then we restore what? The relationships with each other. Developing that trust again. And then what do we do? We equip them for ministry again. To serve. Is that easy to do? Can we do that go, oh yeah, I've got that in my notes, I'll, I'll be able to do that. No, that's not easy to do. Paul experienced that. When Paul came to Christ, did everybody go, yay, let's get Brother Paul. No, no, nobody wanted to get near him. So God said, Ananias, you go lay your hands on Paul. The repair. And then... Did everybody then want to welcome Paul in? No. Barnabas had to bring him into the fellowship. So Paul experienced what he's telling us here. It's not easy. It takes people who are what? Filled with who? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. This is not something we can just do on our own, do in our own strength, do in our own wisdom. And let me just be honest. Some people are going to refuse it. You may be, with all the love and tenderness that you know, you're trying to help fix that arm. And that person goes, leave it alone. Leave it alone. What are you going to do? Are you going to say, just stay still. I'm going to fix it anyway? No. If they say, leave it alone, what do you do? Leave it alone. Leave it alone. You can't force, you're not going to force somebody into fixing it. We're going to love them. We're going to... As he says, restore them gently, watching ourselves, unless we're tempted. Also, he says here, picking people up, they have a lot of people carry heavy loads. Now, we know people have a heavy load when they lose their parent, when they lose a child. And our church, as well as others, are magnificent at rallying around people when there is an obvious great loss. But there are tremendous loads that people carry in this fellowship right here. I'm talking about the people in this room that we'll never know about. And some carrying those loads by themselves, it's going gonna, it's gonna to wipe them out. It's too much. And that's why Paul is saying, led by the Holy Spirit, we are to flow into each other's lives. But the problem is, you can't. You don't know the person. You can't, you know, I, I, I could pick somebody out out here and go, hey, stand up, you know, well, that kind of thing. I'm not going to do that. But if I don't know you, how am I going to flow into your life? How am I going to know your needs? You're not. Now, one of the greatest things that God's done in the church is he's given us the experience of corporate worship. Okay? But through corporate worship alone, 
you cannot obey this command. What? That's right. Through corporate worship alone, you cannot obey this command. Because look, in corporate worship, what you're looking at is either the speaker or the band, or you're looking at the back of people's what? Heads. Unless you're on the front row, okay? You don't get to see any back of the heads on the front row. But any other, you look at the back of the heads. And you're noticing what Kyle Kirk's haircut looks like. You know what I mean? You can see, well, you know, these haircuts that everybody's got. You know, hopefully you don't really care. But what God's told us is not notice the haircuts, but to notice what? To carry each other's what? Burdens. So that necessitates us getting to know each other. How do we do that? I'd love to say... Hey, we're going to have a hot dog social at my house today and we'll all get to know each other. That wouldn't facilitate that. The only way we'll get to know each other is if we're in smaller groups of some sort. A Sunday school class, a small group, a discipleship group, a one-on-one encounter that allows us to find out what the real needs are so that we can carry one another. But remember this. The key word there is is gently restore people gently lift them up gently and what that means is humbly he warns us in this passage don't engage in self-deception here's the problem that most of us experience at least in my life I've experienced this is this we see God at work the Holy Spirit comes into our life and he uses us and then we think We are an authority on all things spiritual. Don't let your ego take credit for what the Holy Spirit is doing. Don't begin to elevate yourself. Brother Wayne, two weeks ago, made this statement just in the flow of his message. And I... I wrote it down because I thought it was profound. Listen to what he said. We could go our whole lives and never give him the praise he truly deserves. What? Now, I I could see that related to my mom, okay? Yeah, I could live my whole life and never give her the praise she really deserves for the sacrifices she's made for me. Uh... Could I do that to God? Could I go my whole life and never, ever, not even once, give him the praise he truly deserves? The Holy Spirit wants us, yes, to have a healthy sense of pride, but he is committed to checking our ego. It's the fruit of the Spirit. So who gets the credit? The Holy Spirit. He's the one that makes this happen. Look at, uh, as we hurry towards the end here, look at um, verse 8. He says, Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap, what? Destruction. Whoever sows to please... The Spirit from the Spirit will reap what? Eternal life. Paul is saying here, our goal is to please the Spirit. Our goal in life is to please the Spirit. 
see, when you're younger, you I didn't understand this. I, I thought the goal in life was to like sing a praise song or, or read in the Bible this. But no, the goal is that he examines my heart. He wants to know is my heart truly his. He's wanting me to sow, if you would. That means give my heart and life and seek to please the Holy Spirit. So my question this morning is, as you sit here and worship with your Bible open, as you are got the Word of God looking you right in the face, would you say to God, Father, my desire is with all my heart to please the Holy Spirit. To please the person of the Holy Spirit. To please the one who is so important to me. To please the one that I love and adore. To please the one who gives me life. Who takes care of my livelihood. Who my happiness depends on. To please someone who I know has any reward I might ever receive. See, the, the scary thing is this. When you love someone and you desire to please someone, you don't know where that's going to take you. In college, Georgia Southern, I was, I hate to say it, but anyway, my last quarter semester, I was like, freaking out because I was struggling in this English class, okay? Of all things, you'd think we could all speak English. But anyway, and if I didn't get a C, I didn't graduate. You know, when you tell your parents I'm graduating, it's kind of nerve-wracking. And my girl I was very seriously dating, we weren't engaged at the moment, but the girl I was seriously dating, Nancy Mask, who's my wife now, she calls me and she says, I need your help. And I'm like, I'm studying for this final that I've could sink or swim on she said I just went downtown Statesboro and I went shopping and I took my roommate's car and when I went into the store I looked back and I saw the the air vent was open do y'all know what that is on the cars old-timey cars they had this little window that you could you know like an air vent anyway I saw it was open and so as I walked I walked back over the car and I shut it I said, well, good. What's the problem? She said, when I shut it, I broke it. How'd you break it? She said, it's one of those kind that you crank. And I shoved it. She broke it off. Y'all know, if you know me at all, I am the least mechanical person on the church staff. Okay? I I was having trouble with my lawnmower. um, A bolt wouldn't stay attached. I had Jim Donovan come over and show me how to, whatever, tighten it up where it wouldn't come loose. So anyway, I'm going... I've got to study. She's got this thing. Oh, and I love her. But I, you know, I'm like, okay, Lord, Lord, what do I do? Kirk, Kirk. Kirk was one of my buddies, and he was studying, you know, um, whatever, industrial management or something. So I, I said, Kirk, can we get into the shop at, the, at George Southern? He said, no problem. So I go get the car. Man, we zip in there. He tears the thing off. He gets the MIG welder or whatever the thing is. You know what it is. I don't know what it is. He gets all these things. He starts. I mean, I'm just going. I'm going to look so good when I take this back there. Okay. All right. So we test it. And of course, you know what happens. It breaks. It doesn't. It's too narrow. It's too small a piece. You can't weld it. I said, Kurt, what are we going to do? He says, the only option is the junkyard. 
I said, okay. So he and I run out of the junkyard. We're climbing all over these things. We find an identical car. We tear the door. We get the piece. We take it back. We, it works. Beautiful. No problem. Why do you go to all that trouble? Why would you go to all that trouble? It's because you love this person and you're seeking to please them. Why are we going to go to all this trouble to try to restore people, to lift people up, to care about people? Why are we doing this? It's because hopefully our heart's desire is to please the Holy Spirit. That's our focus. Listen, one day you're going to stand and be judged. It's not going to be before Buddha. It's not going to be Muhammad. It ain't even going to be Moses. You're going to stand before Jesus Christ. Jesus is going to be the one who signs off on your life. And he's the one who has brought you into this relationship of pure grace and who will keep you in this grace by his Holy Spirit. So I want to ask you this morning, will you allow the Holy Spirit to control your life? I don't know if you've ever met a guy named Richard Lupo, but anyway, he goes to this church and he and I study the Bible together. And we were doing a study um, just the other day and a guy named Ron Dunn. And Ron shared about walking into his house and seeing the water faucet crying. It's kind of weird. But anyway, he said, water faucet, why are you crying? And he's going, man, I'm just so upset. Why are you upset? He said, I haven't even washed your hands today. I haven't even washed the dishes today. I, I, just, I just feel totally useless. And Ron said, he talked to that water faucet. He said, you dumb water faucet. You shouldn't be upset. Listen, if I've walked by here 20 times today. If I needed to wash my hands, I knew I could touch you and you would respond. I knew if I needed to wash dishes, I could touch you and wash the dishes. Listen, water faucet. Listen, listen. I don't judge you by how much water you put out. And I don't want you trying to put it out by yourself, okay? You'll just make a mess. Listen, I judge you by your availability. Your availability. Brothers and sisters, this morning, what God wants to do through us is impossible unless he empowers us by the Holy Spirit. And what he wants to know today is do you desire to please the Spirit? Are you available to the Spirit? That's his question. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we realize this. That there's times we've heard messages, there's times we've lifted up songs. And, and Lord, in all honesty, we really don't know what we're saying. We mean it but we just don't comprehend it. I know that was me. I wanted to grow in Christ. I just didn't know how. I didn't even realize the Holy Spirit lived inside me. I didn't even realize the Holy Spirit wanted to empower me. I didn't realize that all I had to do was seek to try to please you. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters this morning that they'll they'll realize that this learning didn't come individually, but it came in the context of relationships, came in the context of small groups. 
It came in the context of the body. And so this morning, I pray you'll move upon our hearts and we'll open our hearts to the Holy Spirit and to the connecting body, to a small group, to a Sunday school class, to a one-on-one discipling opportunity. Lord, today, we'll seek to live out this command of pleasing the Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. During this time of invitation, if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, I encourage you just to respond to Him. Now, if you go ahead and stand, I appreciate it. Typically, in a Baptist setting, we think of responding as, as always coming forward. Okay? But here's how I want you to think of responding this morning. I know there's going to come a day that we're in heaven. And you know what? Your legs aren't going to get tired when you're praising God. You know what? There's going to be a day in heaven. Your voice is not going to wear out in praising God. We sang about that. We've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun. We have no less days to sing His praise. There's going to be a day when that happens. But let me tell you right now, right now you've got limited attention span. Right now, you have limited physical resources. You can't stand there forever. And so I'm challenging you today. Look at your watch. Today, it says June the 5th. And it's, my watch says like 12.01 with 30 seconds left. And what I want to challenge you today is to say, Lord, on this day, at this time, my number one ambition in life My top priority in life is to please one person, the Holy Spirit of God. And I challenge you, if you pray that today and you make that commitment, I challenge you to go home tonight, today and write that in your Bible. This time, this date. I just want to please the Holy Spirit of God. I just want to be obedient. I just want to live in His power. I want to understand what all this is about. Not so that I could be on stage, but so I can live authentic Christianity. During this time of invitation, I just encourage you to do business with God. If it will help you to come forward, feel free to do that. If you want to trust Christ as your Lord and Savior, want us to pray with you about that, that's fine. But I want to challenge everybody in this room right now to do business with God.